Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Phil also asked me to do one more announcement um, that he missed, and that's that we have our um, monthly potluck after the service. So um, if you brought something, or even if this is the first time you're hearing about it, or you forgot, just plan on coming um, and joining us for lunch. It's always a nice time for us to just share life around the table. So after the service, we'll be um, heading to the gym for lunch. Um, Since February now, we've been journeying through the book of Exodus, Um, looking at Israel's story of coming out of slavery in Egypt, God shaking the whole earth and all of nature as he delivers them and brings them freedom, miraculously providing for them in the desert, giving them a new identity as his treasured and set-apart holy and loved people, and then establishing them as a nation through a covenant relationship and the law given not to re-enslave them, but to give them order and freedom, a law that is always prefaced by God's great love for his children. Um, And today is the last day that we're going to be in the book of Exodus. Um, We're going to be wrapping this up today. And we're going to see that all of this, this entire journey that the God of the universe has taken his children on is for the purpose of being able to dwell once again amongst his people. God dwelling with his people, actively living among them, actively living among us today. Do we believe this, that God wants to actively be part of our lives actively living among us. Um, I want us to take a minute right now um, and close our eyes, and I want everyone to think back to a time in your life when you've most tangibly experienced and felt God's presence and glory in your life. So take a minute and just think back on that. Um, I think if we were to take the time to share our stories of God dwelling with us, of experiencing the power of his presence in a very real and felt way, we'd hear all sorts of different stories. Maybe for some, you felt the presence of God through an experience in nature, exhaustedly standing at the peak of a mountain and seeing the whole of, the, of creation of nature Um, from a new perspective, or maybe standing at the shore of the ocean, the waves crashing over and over again, and seeing the wide expanse of the ocean going on forever. Um, Yeah, giving you a new perspective and being in awe of the beauty and majesty and grandness of God's creation. Um, Maybe it was while looking into the eyes of your newborn baby for the first time, after months of growing this new life inside of your body and hours of painful labor, seeing this tiny new person with so much potential and life ahead of her and understanding God's love in a new way as love for this new little being washes over you. Um, Maybe it was during a time of worship while lifting your voice alongside your brothers and sisters in praise to God or while on your knees in a quiet place interceding in prayer and crying out to God that you knew you were somehow connecting with the holy in a way that you hadn't before. 
Um, maybe it was an experience of providential provision when things were looking hopeless, a gift card in your mailbox when you weren't sure how you were going to buy groceries for the week, someone calling with a word of encouragement when you were feeling particularly low, an answered prayer for healing when nothing seemed to be working. Maybe it was simply upon reflecting back on the day the people met, the interactions had, the sort of ordinary unfolding events of the day, but each moment felt saturated in the holy as you realized that at least for this day, you were able to live into your sweet spot, the gifts that God has given to you in order to be the salt and light he calls you and that he calls all of us to be. And looking back, you can see how God was actively present in each moment, and you had been able to meet him there. Or maybe as I've been talking just now, you realize you have no idea what I'm talking about. And this idea of being in God's presence, of experiencing God's presence in this felt and tangible way, is totally foreign to you. In all honesty, it can sometimes be hard to recognize God's presence and movements around us. But just because we have a hard time recognizing it, being aware of it, doesn't mean that God isn't active and at work, dwelling among us. And today we'll read about God's holy presence once again dwelling with his people. So let's see if there's something that we can learn about allowing God to dwell here in our midst as well. Um, We know that from the very beginning, God created us to be in relationship with him. But even though that's something that we know, it's something that can be easy for us to say without really understanding it. To be in relationship means to be connected and interact with each other. So when we say that we were created to be in relationship with God, it means that we were created to connect with and interact with God. And we read in Genesis 3, verse 8, if you want to turn there, we read that from the very beginning at the creation of the world, God was physically present, dwelling with his people. And I absolutely love this. Um, In Genesis 3, verse 8, it says that, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Um, God was coming to talk with them and be with them. And unfortunately, we know that the disobedience and distrust, the actions, deliberate actions of humanity, choosing to turn away from the God who created and loves us, made a rift in that relationship, that connection. And the sin and brokenness that entered the world makes it harder for us to recognize and be in a place where we can even recognize the God whose desire is still to dwell with us, to live and be present among us. But all throughout the rest of the biblical narrative and into our own present day part of the story, we see that God's desire has always been to dwell with us, to walk and talk with us and be present with us. And so right from that moment when Adam and Eve first turned away from him, God has been working to bring us back to a place of dwelling with him. And in the passages we're looking at today, we're going to see God make a big move forward in his plan to dwell with his people. 
So far in Exodus, we've seen that God is active and at work, sometimes in dramatic and highly visible ways, and sometimes behind the scenes in ways that aren't immediately perceptible. And here at the end of Exodus, after speaking truth of a new and beautiful identity for his children and establishing them as his covenant people, and after they've seen God's presence physically come down on the mountain, causing that mountain to shake and rumble, he instructs them to make for him a tabernacle, a tent of meeting, so that he can once again dwell with them, be present and live among them. So in Exodus 29, verse 45 to 46, we read that God says to Moses, Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Yahweh, the great I am, creator of all things, doesn't want to be distant and unknowable. He wants to be present and active, dwelling right there with his people. And there's so much that happens in this story that I just love. Um, If you turn to Exodus 25, back a few chapters, we'll take a look at God's instruction to Moses about building this tabernacle, this tent of meeting, this place where heaven and earth can connect. Um, We read in Exodus 25, verse 1, that the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. And then God gives detailed instructions to them regarding what materials he's looking for to build his tabernacle. And if we flip forward to Exodus 35 verse 20, we read that the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds. And we read about all the stuff that the people brought, about the community, men and women alike using the skills and gifts that they had to bring wood and silver, gold and bronze, and weave fabric and yarn. And there are two things in particular that I love about this. The first is that God doesn't demand and enforce the sacrifice of the people. Instead, he puts an invitation out there. He says, hey, I'm your God, and I really want to live right there with you so that you can know me. And here's some plans for how you can build this meeting house where we can be together. And if this is something you want and your heart prompts you, then bring what you're willing to give so that we can do this. God asks Moses to take an offering for the building of the meeting place, but this offering is to be voluntary and free. And think about that. These people have been slaves. Nothing that they have done has been voluntary. Now comes the time for them to do what they were made to do. They were not made to be slaves of Pharaoh. They were made to be servants of the living God. And yet their gift to the building of this place where they will meet their living God is to be voluntary. They are to give from willing hearts. Their contribution is to be voluntary and free. And... I don't know what it's like to come out of physical slavery and the psychological impact that would linger and the healing that would need to take place in order to move from that place of abuse 
and learn how to become your own person. Um, We've already seen a, a bit of how God took them through that healing process, but here we see that God is again reminding them that he isn't like the masters they've known before. He isn't going to force sacrifice upon them. Instead, he gives them an invitation and gives them the freedom to choose what they will give and how much they will give. God doesn't demand that they give all. He wants them to examine their hearts and give to him what their hearts prompt them to give. And we see that having a willing heart is so important to God. So God puts the invitation out there to his people. I want to be there with you, living and dwelling among you. And if you want this too, then examine yourself and bring an offering that you're willing to give to help build this place where we can meet together. And the people hear that, and they want it. So they start bringing their offerings. And in Exodus 36, verse 3, we read that the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work that the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent word throughout the camp, no man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more, because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Um, In response to God's invitation to meet and be with him, his people willingly give so much that they have to be restrained from giving more. Day after day after day, they examine their hearts and bring more and more to God. And their eagerness to be in God's presence and give to him is touching and beautiful and, to be honest, even a little bit hilarious. What a problem to have, am I right? (laughs) Um, God is Moses and God, they're saying, you guys, this is great, but we've got enough. No more. Stop. Don't make anything else or bring anything else here. <laughs> I love it. And I mean, there are obvious tie-ins here to how we give of our own finances in our tithes and our offerings. Whether we feel like we have a lot or a little, God asks us to examine ourselves and give back to him. And it's in this process of giving back to him what he's already given to us that we are able to meet him, recognizing that we're fully dependent on him for everything. And through that act of sacrificial giving, we meet with God. Matt Matt said it and prayed it so well for us this morning. Um, But there's also a lesson here in not just giving of our finances, but every part of ourselves to this God who created us and loves us, the God who wants to meet with us and be present with us, but can only do so when we take up his invitation to examine ourselves and give ourselves to him in this way. It speaks to us about the importance of our own willingness in giving and about our willingness to worship. True worship comes when we examine our hearts and willingly offer our lives to God. If our worship doesn't come from hearts filled with gratitude for God's grace, from hearts that long to worship the living and holy God, if it's not coming as a response to God for who he is and what he's done, then our worship is hollow. God will never demand a sacrifice from us. He won't demand that we give this or that we give that, but he invites us to examine ourselves and give ourselves to him. 
to give not just this bit of our lives or that, the parts that are religious or Christian, going to church and following rules, but he invites us to examine ourselves and give to him what we're willing to give. And like we see in the Israelites here, there's a special beauty in examining ourselves and then day after day giving abundantly of ourselves to him, giving every part of who we are and what he has given to us back to him. So God doesn't demand that his people sacrifice in order to meet with him, but he does invite us to give ourselves to him. And we see the importance of having a willing heart as we examine ourselves and give. Um, I also love that building this meeting place with God isn't dependent on Moses alone or even on just a handful of important and skilled people. Every single person in the camp is invited to participate in building this dwelling place for God. And we read that every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems. The Israelite men and women who were willing brought their freewill offerings to the Lord. And what a beautiful picture that is of the body of Christ working together to see God glorified in their midst. And we see this same thing right here at Scott Street Church. God wants to dwell among us, be present right here with us. And we see him active and at work through every part of who we are as his body. He's given us the important task of being his family who love him with every part of our being and love others the way that he loves us. And accomplishing this task, letting God dwell here with us as we do this work, isn't just about one leader giving to God and meeting with him, or even about a handful of important and skilled people doing this, but it's about each person in the community examining themselves and bringing their offering, joining together with all the brothers and sisters in order to meet with God and see his work accomplished. What each person is skilled in and has available to bring is different from the next, but together, as each one is faithful in bringing what they're willing to God, we all of a sudden see that we have more than enough to do what God has asked. And what a beautiful picture this is of the body of Christ. When, when at a staff meeting, we started thinking through how, how to celebrate the efforts of the volunteers at the church, I feel like it was this same sort of realization that I came to. We started thinking through the various ministries and people who contribute their skills and time to doing what God has asked of us here at Scott Street MB Church. And it wasn't long before we realized that pretty much every single person who is part of our church family contributes and helps in some way. Whether it's making beautiful quilts to send overseas, bringing bulletins and visiting members of our church family who aren't able to leave their homes, setting up tables in the gym, greeting people as they come into the building on Sundays, caring for our library, helping run our kids and youth programs, cooking dinner for the community, sending Bible lessons into people's homes, washing the linens in the nursery each week, teaching English to those who are new to our country, keeping our building in top shape, praying for members and ministries throughout the week. And I could go on and on and on, and I think eventually you guys will be like, let's go to the gym now. Um, 
And I'm not going to be like Moses and send word throughout the camp to restrain you from doing more. Um, But I do sincerely thank all of you for the way that together we are the body of Christ. Each one doing their part, bringing our skills and resources together to do what God has asked us to. It's a truly beautiful thing to be part of. Um, And I'll just encourage you again, if you haven't signed up for the volunteer barbecue, please do. What a a great time it's going to be of just celebrating God's work here in our community. Um, So back to Exodus. God's desire is to dwell with his people. He's given detailed instructions on exactly how to build this tabernacle, this tent where he can be present and meet with his people And he's invited them to examine their hearts and give of their resources and skills in order to build it. The people go above and beyond, and now the time has come. And they bring their work to Moses, who examines what they've built. And it's perfect, exactly what God had asked for. And so they set it up and anoint it with oil, consecrating it to God. And then in Exodus 40, verse 34, we read, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift... They did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. Just like Moses had asked, God came, dwelling there amongst his people, in his tabernacle, not sending them off on their own, but leading them clearly every step of the way. And this is a beautiful and powerful image. I, I mean, you read it and you kind of, it's hard to even imagine what that would have been like for them, this, the cloud of God's presence just being there. It's a powerful and beautiful image, God's presence hovering over and in his tabernacle, meeting with his people and clearly guiding them in every step of their journey as they continue to move through the desert and finally settle in their own land. And with that, this brings us to the end of the book of Exodus. Um, There have been many lessons that we've learned about who God is and how he works, the necessity of depending on him for all things and allowing him to work in and through us, whether we think we have something to offer or not. Lessons about allowing God to bring us freedom and give us a new identity, meeting him in worship, bowing down to give him the honor he is due And this entire story, this interaction between God and his people is all for this purpose, for the purpose of God bringing his children close and dwelling with them again. And even though this story in Exodus is now finished, the story of God dwelling with his people is far from over. This story continues all throughout the biblical narrative. Throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we see God's presence actually come and go from Israel as they fluctuate between following God closely and living in complete disregard for his leading, sin getting in the way. Until God once again enacts a plan to dwell more fully with his people. 
not as a cloud hovering over and in a building, needing his children to come and perform special sacrifices and rituals in order to to enter his presence, only certain people being able to to even enter. But we see that, that God himself came to dwell with us by becoming flesh, becoming one of us and making his dwelling among us. In Colossians 2 verse 9, we read that, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Emmanuel, God with us. God no longer dwelt with his people through tabernacles and and temples, but by becoming a living and breathing person who walked and talked and showed us how to worship and live with him the way that he intended, paying the ultimate price to show us just how great his love is. By taking the worst that we could do to him, all of our sin upon him to close that rift in the relationship that started way back in the garden. And in Hebrews 9, we read that Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. And God has taken this one step further yet. If we accept the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf, then we too become God's dwelling place. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God living and moving in our own lives. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians, Paul points out that it's no longer the physical building that God dwells in, but rather it's his church, us, the people who make up the church, that God is building together to become his dwelling place. Ephesians 2 verse 22 says, And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And over the next few weeks, we'll be looking through parts of the book of Galatians to learn more about what it means for us, how we can allow God to dwell with us, how to live in that freedom that Christ gives by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's ultimate desire is that he wants to dwell with his people. Um, We're going to shift right now to the communion table, and I think what better way for us to... um, Yeah, think about and remember that Christ came in bodily form. God entered into our creation and lived and died and rose again in order to provide the sacrifice needed for us to be his dwelling place. And so I invite the band back up as we shift into communion. Church.ca